It's near midnight on a Friday at Kansas State University, and one anthropology professor is out with his students, sneaking onto the rooftop of a campus building, or at least trying to. Everything is going well until we discover that we are not alone in the darkness. Hey, there's a a dude. It's a security guard. We freeze in fear at a crossroads. He comes right up on our heels and follows us so close that we can hear his keys jangling in his pockets. I think we're done for. Matt starts talking loudly about his homework. Yeah, no, like, just the IPA. We've just been learning all the sounds. And it seems to work. Security peels off our tail, and we look for another building to climb. The professor is Michael Wesch, and that footage comes from his new podcast, Life 101. It's an unusual project. After years as an award-winning teacher, Wesch felt that he lost that sense of what students were going through as they walked into his large introductory classes. And that made it harder for him to connect and be an effective teacher. But he's an anthropologist, and understanding unknown cultures is his trade. So he decided to turn his academic research skills on to campus life and become a participant observer of his students. For his first episode, he essentially did the same homework he was asking his anthropology students to do that week, documenting a weekend night. He asked his students to be his guide, and a rooftop is just one of the dramatic places he ends up. Hello, and welcome to the Chronicle of Higher Education's Relearning Podcast, a look at the future of education. I'm Jeff Young. This week, I talked with Wesh about what he learned from that night out with his students, about teaching, and about the meaning of college. We'll be back with the conversation right after this. Don't miss the latest stories and analysis about the future of education from the ReLearning Project. Sign up for the weekly newsletter at chronicle.com relearning. All right, we're talking today with Michael Wesch, Associate Professor of Cultural Anthropology at Kansas State University, creator of a new podcast called Life 101. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. First of all, I want to say to our listeners, I think you should maybe even pause this right now, but come back after that and listen to the <laughs> listen to the first episode because um, it's it is really, you know, this journey that has these emotional arcs and these characters and it's it's all happening one night between um, what is it, midnight and 2 a.m.-ish? It expanded out to 11 to 3, <laughs> ultimately. Okay. Certainly um, the time where a lot of professors are usually not tuning in um, to their students' lives, and, and maybe that's for good and for bad. I did want to just say, first off, like where, you know, you said you got some proposals from students when you went to your class, which is a large class on your campus, and said, uh, take, you know, I'm going to do this assignment too. I'm going to go see the campus at these hours. You guys, I need some tour guides. So tell me the three proposals that you end up doing um, for that you're going on. Right. So I, the proposals were to climb buildings, uh, to get to rooftops and so on, um, go to a frat party, and then go to the college bar district and go dancing. <laughs> and I think they all just viewed it as a lot of fun. The, you know, the fraternity party, like, you know, frat security is serious stuff, you know, and they don't just let anybody in. What do you mean? Describe, describe that. What do you mean? There's a list, you know, and then you come to the door and you have to get, make sure that you're on the list. And then once you're inside, if you don't look quite right, they'll ask you, you know, over and over again, who are you? What are you doing here? And of course me, like, you know, 
I look like I'm 40. Fair enough, you are, right. <laughs> the only people who didn't ask me were people who had had me in class, and they were more just like, whoa, you know, like they're so excited. You know? <laughs> and I think it helps also that, that I'm a popular professor on campus so that, you know, when people did recognize me, they were excited to see me. Uh, a lot of them knew me. Uh, you know, you're not a stranger. Sure, I'm not a stranger. In fact, yeah. people were taking selfies with you at this frat party. Yeah, I mean, there was like a line for selfies at one point, which was just kind of embarrassing. Yeah, and it was really hard actually to then just experience the night, you know, because I think the common experience is to is to feel anonymous in this situation, right? Yeah. Like I think students go in and they just feel like overwhelmed by how they're just like a one in a big sea of people. Uh, and I didn't have that experience at all. And it was sort of, I kind of regretted that. You know, I wished that I could be a little bit more anonymous just to have that experience. We've talked before, and, and you've been somebody who has, um, you know, done a lot of interesting things with multimedia and teaching over the years. And how, but how did you come to to, to do this particular, this kind of unusual podcast that you that you just started? And why do that? You know, it's interesting. I, I came into being a professor thinking, like with really high goals, like I had these really high goals of kind of just inspiring everybody and and getting them to feel the same sort of inspiration that I felt as a college student. And I was kind of disappointed early on. I was teaching these really big classes and, you know, there was a lot of dead eyes and a lot of sort of glazed over looks in, in the room. And that led me to experiment. So I started experimenting and I was rewarded for my experimentation. You know, within three years, I was awarded the U.S. Professor of the Year for some of these experiments I'd done. And so from the outside, I think everything looked like it was going really well. But in the classroom, even though these experiments kind of looked great uh, and they seemed to have some great impact, I still was facing the glaze, <laughs> you know, like on a day-to-day basis, I still like looked out in the audience and I'd see people sleeping, people gaming mm. the assignments just to get by. And I kept trying, you know, more and more things. And the funny thing was that I felt like I was doing worse over time, that my assignments were connecting less and less with the students. My lectures were connecting less and less. And I think part of this was just age. You know, I was I was getting older. When I first started teaching, I was in my late 20s. And it was pretty easy to relate to students at that time and kind of know what they were up to and what they were going through. But by the time I was, you know, approaching 40, there was definitely a generation gap. There were things that mystified me about my students and frustrated me and I just couldn't figure it out. So a few years ago, I, you know, did some like mild anthropology. I started interviewing students and I would, I opened myself up to daily lunches with students. And so every, every day I would have open lunch and, you know, students could come and and sit with me and talk. And, and the rule of those conversation, uh, the, the one rule of those conversations was that there was no small talk. We just dove right in. And I immediately saw that there was a lot more complexity to their lives than I had been aware of. Then this sort of back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm an anthropologist. I know interviews aren't enough. People say all kinds of things in interviews. Uh, 
and you miss out on a lot of things if you're not really living it. So I, I sort of think I really need to like dive in somehow. You know, I suspect that a lot of professors listening might relate to this feeling of talking to the students and, and not connecting and, and just being in different places, right? Being in different life stages and being in different places about the knowledge of the material. And so you're you're sort of on different <laughs> different pages on different wavelengths. Do you think that's one of the maybe a disconnect that that actually is um, kind of in the way sometimes of of teaching? Uh, definitely. And I think it's kind of astonishing to me like what's happened to me just in the in this little time that I've started doing this podcast and then also kind of going back to when I started these um, daily lunches is how different I am as a teacher. And uh, my my syllabus is different, uh, but my, like, my assignments are different. But I think even more important, uh, the way I respond to students is different. So that I used to like have this like kind of like this constant inner anger that I didn't even recognize <laughs> just kind of <laughs> simmering in the background. And when a student would come and have some excuse for why they didn't do this or that, or when they would sort of clearly sort of phone in an assignment and not really put any effort into it, um, sort of my worst judgments would come out. And these are all assumptions, you know, these are all, um, I didn't really know the story, uh, but I just assumed. You're just guessing, you're sort of, you're, you're guessing based on sort of stereotypes of what the student's thinking. Exactly. And and boy, those stereotypes are so powerful. And that's one of the things I want to do in this podcast is sort of sort of get past those stereotypes. And not just for us as faculty, but I'm trying to, this is a little bit difficult to do, but I'm trying to uh, create the podcast so that students and faculty listen to them. Like I want to hit both audiences. and And I hope that students also recognize that the stereotypes aren't often true. I mean, they have these stereotypes about their own lives or, or about different segments of college life that I think need to be uh, changed and, and can be really damaging. Um, you know, there's a lot of hmm. assumptions about um, that, like, most students drink and are looking to hook up, for example. Like, like, But it turns out, you know, most students are not drinking and looking to hook up. Um, and, and so I think a lot of students feel pressure to sort of conform to that stereotype. Um, and I think they, that, that there's more going on there. Yeah. I mean, that there is the, you are, it's a very personal, um, story on your part. You know, you, there's this one hand where you're sharing these views of these students and trying to understand them. But the part that I was surprised by was to the extent to which you are also looking inward and really trying to understand yourself as a professor, you know, doing, you know, in this kind of after teaching for a while and kind of in a middle, you know, career here or, um, and I guess to what extent, I actually want to play a clip if that's all right. Um, I'm pulling it up if you'll bear with me. As Garrett and I prepare to leave the fraternity party, I feel like a failure as an anthropologist. We pride ourselves on the method of participant observation. You can't just observe something and understand it. You have to participate, jump in, join the dance. But this is more than an occupational failure. I feel like I've lost something precious and essential about myself. And I'm not sure I like who I've become. I do, like, wonder 
sometimes I wonder if I'm missing out in like just like I feel like I'm always trying to be like in control mm -hmm. you know I've never been willing to like truly let it go you know so I'll, I'll stop it there I mean so this is that that's kind of that's kind of heavy stuff <laughs> what was your what was your thought on on doing that as part of this project uh, I think it's just I, I wanted it to be honest and and I want people to realize that I think the best of education happens when we're all learning and that learning is a lot more complex than just learning a bunch of stuff. It's about finding out who you are, uh, what your capacities are, finding sort of stores of courage that you didn't know you had, trying things you've never tried before, you know, crossing boundaries. Uh, and these are all like really hard to do. And and so I, I've, I wanted to include that because I think that that I, to me, like what Life 101 is all about is is that we're all learning that nobody ever stops figuring this stuff out. You know, this is the big stuff. And and each phase of life like brings these questions uh, into relief in new ways so that, you know, I really felt like I had this particular part of my life figured out when I was 20. <laughs> you know, like like I, sure. could go, I could go to a party and dance when I was 20. Um but here I am at 40 and I'm like, man, I can't do it. Like my arms are trapped. <laughs> like somehow. I... Well, it sounds like you had, it was, a, it was your, you were mentioning how your professors are good at thinking and then maybe you're overthinking the dance. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I felt like I, I've lived the life of the mind for so long. It's like I forgot how to dance. It seems like, yeah, it seems like you see this forgetting how to dance as symbolic, not just a, you're, you need to be on dancing with the stars or something. Exactly. I think, I think it is symbolic. It's just this, I think dancing is this capacity to get a little bit out of control, to let go, to let life happen. And I have been just the opposite of that, opposite of that for, you know, well over a decade it, by necessity, you know, like this is how you get through graduate school and tenure. <laughs> you get, you get hyper-organized. Yeah, but you're going to make, uh, you're going to make people in the audience, uh, all of us, me too, feel bad about, um, you know, <laughs> right? Is, aren't these the trade-offs as you, you know, naturally kind of enter different different stages, or, or, or do you think something is lost in our in our thinking somehow? Yeah, I think I think a lot is lost in it, and I think what happens then is that we sort of over intellectualize and uh, over theorize in a way, like the like how people learn, and then we miss out on how people actually learn. So. For example, I think really common sense notions of what college education are all about tend to be about, let's say, critical thinking and creative thinking, that kind of thing. And then we, we pretend like there might be some kind of uh, formula that can be mastered or procedures that can be mastered so that students can think critically and, or creatively. Uh, the reality is that critical and creative thinking only happen in sort of the the lived experience of everyday life and you have to overcome all kinds of doubt and fear to actually think critically or creatively you there's all these like emotional components to it 
they're not just intellectual. And I think we are so intellectual that we forget all that. And I think that's what I really came away with from that night was that these students understand that, you know, like when they're climbing buildings and out there dancing and really like risking themselves, risking their identities, sometimes risking their lives. I think they're doing that because they know that's what it takes to become the person they want to become. They have to test themselves in real ways. And we, we make sort of, you know, almost like a, a puppet show out of test. We don't give them real tests. The real tests are what they're doing out there in their everyday lives. Now, um, what is the plan for for the future? How often do you plan on issuing new ones? Because obviously this is this is a, a high um, production. You know, this is this is not something you put out in an afternoon. Um, <laughs> what is your plan there? The plan is to try to get one out about every two or three months. They're all going to be very like high quality. Uh, like the first one, sort of in-depth storytelling, weaving through multiple stories and multiple storylines, multiple characters. And that requires, you know, a lot of field work and then a lot of follow-up interviews, a lot of analysis, and then the actual editing itself. It's a really big process. Um, But I want to also start inviting more and more people in. And so on the website, we have a section called Share Your Story, And there are sort of three levels that people can share at. One is just you have a story you want to tell or an event that you think is interesting or a topic you think is interesting. And just, you know, write into us or or call us and just let us know what it is. And and then we'll bring you into the studio and and record something and then and maybe follow you out into the field, um, attend the events and so on. and that, that's a very minimum level of participation. The second one would be like you have a complete story that you want to tell and you come into the studio and, you know, you tell the story and then maybe we'll, we'll do some follow-up questions and try to pull out more of that story and then we'll produce it. And then the, the final level is, is if students or faculty, anybody's interested in producing a podcast about college life, uh, just go ahead and and uh, produce it and we'll help you. Um, We can even help with equipment. And this goes for everybody everywhere. You know, I'm willing to send a good microphone out to somebody who has a great story or a great idea. Uh, We will have some online training uh, pieces to help people uh, learn how to do this. And so I think in the long run, I'd like to see this be like a big network of people uh, all over the world, potentially, producing stories about about a real education and the pursuit of a real education. Yeah, it strikes me that that point is really another kind of one of the things that, that I took away from, from this podcast was that your, um, your approach or your call to the listeners is not to, it's not that you're trying to be a better teacher by refining your ability to tell students what you know but that you'll be a better teacher by actually being more aware and open to having students teach you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that goes against, I I feel like that does go against a lot of the, um, especially at a time where college is not cheap, right? And you're, you know, the promise of going to Dr. Wesh, you know, PhD holding, award-winning teacher is that you know stuff and you're going to 
you're gonna be worth the the investment because you're you know the students come to you, and then you're gonna help um, them. You know, you're gonna deliver something that's gonna get them um, their money's worth. Um, it, it, I mean, that's it. Seems like the the message you're 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 redefining education in a way. Well, I hope so. I mean, I think that the real that that is definitely a goal of mine is to undermine common sense notions of what education is all about in which you know we kind of i think all of us make the mistake constantly of thinking that education is about learning a bunch of stuff and in reality i think that education and in particular higher education is about a transformation of the self and i think what people pay the big money for what's worth it is that transformation um I mean, you can learn a bunch of stuff online for free, but this is a special place. Like we are trying to create special places where you can go through a sort of total transformation of the self. I think that's what we really offer. And that's a collaborative enterprise that extends across, you know, all the different activities on a campus you know, from like student life to to like the students themselves creating their own student lives <laughs> to intramural activities to uh, uh, to the classroom. Like everything, everything's a part of that. And I think we all know that, but in our conversations, we forget it. And that's why you see in the news and, you know, you can, you can find, you know, Silicon Valley investors talking about how education is outdated. And you'll, you'll hear things like, you know, it's the only institution that has not increased its productivity in 2,400 years. And like, well, of course not. The world is more complex. It's actually more difficult to become the kind of person you need to be to succeed in this world, to, to have a good life. So, of course, it's harder and maybe even takes longer to achieve that. Uh, crafting a self is not, is not something you do on an assembly line. It's not something that happens quickly. Uh, it's, it's hard work and it's different for everybody. And I think what we offer on any campus or trying to offer is just that space where people can try things out and test themselves and and test themselves in these real ways not just in the not just on the scantron or multiple choice exam of course the flip side of that is is uh, and this is hard to put on the brochure is it's a dangerous place right because both emotionally and you know even with the examples in your in your podcast of going out on climbing up on a roof of a building you know illicitly um, there's like sometimes real danger for these students just in and going off and exploring their identities and doing all the things that they do at a campus. Yeah, and I think that uh, it's hard to say this, but, um, you know, that the building is really just like a metaphor as well, right? When people go out on a ledge, I think in there are just things that are so much more dangerous and devastating than going out on a ledge of a building on campus. And I think almost everybody who 
really changes, who really like it, like becomes a different person in college, will go through a really dark place because they have to confront everything that they thought they were and and come out differently on the other side. And that's just always going to be a dark process. That's going to be difficult. That's and it and it just never stops. You know, you're it's like you get you kind of think you have things figured out and you re- reach a state of equilibrium and everything's going fine. But then a new challenge emerges and you realize, "Oh, wait, I don't have the capacity to do this next thing. There's something missing." And and that's when you have to go back and test yourself again. And I hope what we can provide, I mean, I think, I think what happens is if you start recognizing that this is what education is really all about, that it's not just learning a bunch of stuff, then we can actually start intentionally providing uh, some of this. You know, we can, we can recognize the value of mentorship, for example, which is often overlooked. We can recognize the importance of, of, uh, community and connection and all those things that that are often overlooked when you're just thinking about education in the most efficient way possible like how can we stuff people's heads with information or procedures and skills as quickly as possible well i think we'll leave it at that and i encourage people like i said to to check out your podcast and thank you so much for for sharing your thoughts on this today yeah thanks it's great to talk to you this has been the relearning podcast It's part of the Chronicle of Higher Education's coverage of innovation at colleges. You can find a link to the Life 101 podcast we talked about on this show at chronicle.com slash relearningpodcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young. Our theme music was by Jason Cadell. If you like this show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a minute to rate or review us. This season, we've decided to do an every-other-week publication schedule, but we've got plenty of fascinating characters already lined up, so stay tuned. We'll be back in two weeks with more conversations about the new learning landscape.